Welcome to the audio ministry of Love Foundation Christian Center, a place to find God's love. Pastors Osage and Bridget Airboard teach the word with simplicity and truth. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message inspires and encourages you. Enjoy the message. I have the privilege of, of sharing with you some things that I believe the Holy Spirit will have the church know at this time. And this season. Amen. Now we are all aware about the, of, of the pandemic. We are aware about um, what is going on, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, if you're on this earth, you definitely <laughs> are aware of it. But more than anything else, we are aware of the Spirit of God. Amen. We are aware of the presence of God. More than the pandemic, more than any sickness, more than any disease, we make, we make him, we make him the center of our focus every time. It doesn't matter what is going on. Amen. And so the purpose of taking communion today is not that we are trying to fight some kind of battle against the coronavirus. Coronavirus is no match for us. No sickness or disease is a match for us because the battle has already been fought and won. So what are we doing? We are standing our ground. We are reinforcing. We are remembering, declaring what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary, that his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. And for this reason... The Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So we know that the coronavirus, the pandemic, and everything that is going on right now is definitely of the devil. It's not of God. Now, of course, God takes all things and he works it together for our good. And one thing that we can all agree on as a church is that this is an awakening for the church. This is an eye-opener for the church, a remembrance, a reminder that we are here on earth for a purpose. Because sometimes there's just the pursuing of the rat race and doing so many other things. Sometimes we forget why we are here. But in this time of lockdown, I believe that some of us have repented of some things, gotten into some things, re-evaluated our lives, and made some major, major changes. You know, one of the things that the Spirit of God said to me this year, that this year is a year of change. Boy, has it been a time of serious change, both in the nations and in the church. We're experiencing things like we've never experienced before. But one of the things about change is that change has to do with repentance. And repentance, many times people think that repentance is all about, you know, saying I'm sorry, hanging your head in shame. But repentance is more than that. Repentance is about changing your mind. Changing your position about a particular thing, you were going in a direction that you ought not to have been going in. So now you change your mind. You see that what you're doing or where you are going is not the right place or the right thing. You change your mind and you begin to go in the other direction, the right direction. That is what it's about. And I know that there are many things that, that the Spirit of God has been laying in individuals' heart to change. But there is something that God wants me to talk to you about this morning. Uh, this afternoon, wherever you are, evening, praise the Lord. And um, I'm going to get right into it. But first, I just want to let you know that in John 10.10, and I I would like the uh, New Living Translation update, if you can put it up, the Bible talks about the thief that comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The Bible says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. He says, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Hallelujah. God is saying that he wants us to have a rich and a satisfying life. Now, why did I bring this up? One of the things that happens with pandemics like this is that it has a ripple effect. 
So even though people may be having the be, be um, concerned about the virus of sickness, but then being locked down, being not able to work, now causes a ripple effect of poverty. And that's what the enemy comes to do, to kill with sickness, to steal people's money, and to destroy that which they have already built. But thank God that Jesus said that he has come, that we might have life to the full, life in abundance, overflowing life, the rich life, the satisfied life. And that makes me know that right in the midst of any kind of pandemic, any kind of trouble, any kind of circumstance or situation, we can have a full life. We can have a rich life. We can have a blessed life because Jesus came for that purpose. Now, darkness didn't just start in the year 2020 or COVID-19. Darkness has been all around. And this promise is to us, whether 10 years ago, 2,000 years ago, or today, it doesn't change because of the pandemic. So God has called us to have life and to have it in abundance. So one of the things that I want to remind us of, that the Spirit of God is saying to remind us of, is that he is the God of prosperity. Tell somebody he's the God of prosperity. He is. He's the God of abundance. And you have power over poverty. Tell the person sitting beside you, you say you have power over poverty. So do not fear lack. Amen. Because the day that your sickness was paid for, the day that your sin was paid for, sickness and poverty was also paid for. Now, I'm going to read something in, in Leviticus 25 that I want, to, I, want to, I want us to be reminded about. The Bible tells us in Leviticus that um, if you read from Leviticus, you can put it up. Yeah, I'm going to read, first of all, from 1 to 7, and we're going to read from, from 18 to 22. So he says, well, Leviticus 25, okay. Did I say 1 to 7? All right, this is what I'm going to do because of time. One of the things that began to happen was that God told the Israelites, he told the people of, of God, he said, I want you to sow for six years, but in the seventh year, I want you to withhold your seed. Do not see, let the land rest. Let the land have a Sabbath. Amen. And so he told, then after that, the people now began to ask in verse 18. Please go fast forward to verse 18. The people began to ask the Lord. They said, you know what? Let me just uh, read it. Let me read it. It's good for us to read it because in this time where people are so, I'll read from verse 1 again. In this time when people are so afraid, it is good for us. We're not, we not here for, for just fun. We are here to get our eyes back to the word. So for our faith to be anchored on the word. Because in times like this, if our faith is not anchored on the word, we will die like everybody else. And the only place that the true answer is in, is in the word. And so when we, when we are done with this communion service, if we've been in a place of being afraid of what's going to happen, looking to the government, looking to people who is going to help me, it's time to change your mind. God is your help, and God has blessed you to be a blessing. So it's time for you and I to begin to see ourselves as the blessing, as the blessing that God has made. So the Bible says that while Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. 
When you have entered the land I'm giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For six years, you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. And don't store away the crops that grow in their own or gather the grapes from the unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. But you may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. This applies to you, your male and female servants, and your hired workers, and the temporary residents who live with you. Now, fast forward to verse 18. All right, so show, show your fear of the Lord. Okay, if you want to live securely in the land, follow my decrees, obey my regulations. Then the Lord will yield large crops. You will eat your field and live securely in it. But you might ask, tell somebody, you might ask, because people are asking, right? What will we eat during the seventh year? So what are we going to eat if we stay locked down? What are we going to eat if this pandemic continues? What are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? The Bible says, they said, but you might ask, what will we eat during the seventh year since we are not allowed to plant or harvest crops that year? Be assured, verse 21, I will send my blessing for you in the sixth year so that the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. When you plant your fields in the eighth year, praise the Lord, you will still be eating from the large crop of the sixth year. In fact, you will still be eating from that large crop when the new crop is harvested in the ninth year. The land must never be sold. Okay, praise the Lord. I'll just stop there. Now, why, did I, why am I bringing this out? This is a reminder. God is reminding you that it is about the blessing that is upon you. It is not about the circumstance, not about the situations. It's not about the seed that you, that you sowed, put in the ground. Any, if a, a seed does not have the blessing of God behind it, it is a dead seed. And that's one of the things that we need to remember because as time goes on, sometimes people begin to forget who, who is the blesser, who is the one that gives. And that's what happens in Deuteronomy 8 when the Bible says, it says, when you have eaten, and you are full. He says, you must remember the Lord your God because he, it is he that gives you the power to get wealth. So God is letting us see here that it is the blessing behind the seed that matters. Because sometimes we think it's our effort, it's our ability, it's our jobs, it's our businesses. Yes, God uses this. But what happens when those things are no longer there? We need to remember that the, God, the Lord of the harvest is in our corner. And God is saying, fear not. Fear not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he caused the harvest to, to produce for three years without anyone planting, he will surely supply your needs without wheat or without a job. Amen. Hallelujah. Wheat or without a business. Now, I know you're not going to ask me, but how can we? Because we just finished reading the scriptures. Praise the Lord. God can use anything. And if you look through scriptures, God has used all kinds of things. Birds to feed. <laughs> he, he, we have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. He knows just how to direct us, how to lead us. If we will follow. If we will follow. But I believe that we are ready to follow. We've had some time in the presence of the Lord, right? Are we, we're ready to follow, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, I want to say something very significant and hear me. 
as I was studying for this, God reminded me about something that happened these past few years. That the enemy, knowing what was about to happen, even in this time, tried to set the church up using a man or some people who began to preach against tithes and offerings. He said, do you think that it was by chance? He was trying, the enemy was trying to bankrupt the church, stop the power that the church has over poverty by trying to stop the people from tithing and giving offerings and sowing seeds. Now, I thank God that, that many of us who knew the truth, we became even stronger because as at the time that, that the enemy was using people to, to come against the tithes, come against the offerings, God was also working in some people to preach stronger about the tithes, about the offerings. He was working in us to begin to sow. As a matter of fact, here in Law Foundation, we've been giving first fruits. Seriously, consistently for the past few years, at the beginning of the year, we give first fruits. We gather things together and we give. And just as the, you see, the, the enemy, the enemy is no match for God. As long as we are, we are led of the Holy Ghost, as long as we are sensitive to the spirit of, the, of, of God, we, we can always just twat it and just, I mean, tell me, what's the word? <laughs> Hallelujah. We can, we can trip him up. He can't trip us up. Amen? But we just have to have our hearts in the right place. And so that's why we need to understand that no matter what you hear anybody say, you need to be strong in the fact that tithes and offerings is still God's plan of increase in the church. And God is saying that the church, some of the church became a part of this, one out of ignorance, some were ignorant, and they fell prey to this lie of the enemy. And then the second set of people, they were not ignorant, but they just rejected knowledge. Because the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then, what did it say? say it says, because you have rejected knowledge, it says, I will reject you. And that's what usually happens. So whether you are ignorant, whether you reject knowledge, you can fall prey to the enemy's devices. But I thank God for the grace of God that he has kept. God always has people who are standing strong in his word, no matter what kind of crazy craziness tries to rise up. Amen. He always, always has people like you and I standing strong on his word to make sure that he has people who he can flow through. Because I'm telling you, you and I, the, the, the reason why it's so important for you and I to stand strong on the word of God is that we are here as a preservative for the nations. The nations have not yet come to realize just how much more we are keeping them, but soon they will begin to realize it. And that's the reason why you and I need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You cannot be looking to the government as your source. You can't be looking to, to your business, looking to people. Yes, God gives all of these things. But in all these things, we need to know that God is our source. He's our soul supply. And that wherever there is an avenue, wherever there is a place of increase coming into us, that the power of God is behind it. And you know those who know that the power of God is behind their increase are people who give, bring their tithes and their offerings. You know, Jesus said in Matthew, he said, I believe it's Matthew 6, 24. He said, you can't save God and mammon. He says, you can't do it. So it's either you will love the one and hate the other, 
Praise the Lord. And this is what the spirit of mammon is. The spirit of mammon, the spirit of greed is this. You and I go to work. Everybody's going to work. Now we, 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 we're strategizing. We are, we are believing. We are praying and all of that. But then there's a set of people who tithe and who give. Those people are worshiping God with their offerings. They are worshiping God with their money, with their sweat, whatever they are working. But the people who refuse to tithe are serving mammon. Is a spirit of mammon that is, that is driving them. Now, I know that may sound tough, but it's the truth. And God says you can't serve God or mammon. Now, if you, if you, if you are, you are walking, 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 and you're taking all of that money and using it for self and paying everybody else, and then you don't bring it to the God who is the one who has prospered you, what are you serving? Come on, I need to hear an answer. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus said it, and I know that sometimes some things sound tough. But it is the truth. Amen. Now turn to Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to show us some of the things God gave me. And I'm going to read it. I don't want to spend, I'm not going to spend so much time. But God, God, God gave me some things that specifically that we will need to begin to repent of. If we are to see the kind of abundant harvest in the church that he's talking about. Because the kind of harvest that God is calling the church to is the kind of harvest that people will be looking to the church to bail them out. The kind of harvest that in the church, let's say you have a church of a hundred people, that everybody in that church together, they will all be taken care of. You have a church of a thousand people. You have a church of 5,000 people. Everybody in that church, they are being taken care of. Because guess what? The church is a nation. The church is a nation. So we need to begin to realize that our nation is powerful. Our nation is big. Our nation is rich. Our nation is healed. Our nation is above every other nation on this planet Earth. As a matter of fact, we are so big that not one particular location can handle us. And so we are located in different areas, Africa, Europe, North America, South America, right? We are located in all of these different places because we are too big. We have an agenda. We have an agenda. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are going to reach out to get people, to snatch people out of hell, to get people healed, to get them saved, to fill them with the Holy Ghost, to get them into the prosperity that God has called them to to be in. That's why we're here on earth. We're not here to just make money for ourselves. We are not here for things to just be all about ourselves. And don't get me wrong. We read it in scriptures. The Bible says that, and we we read in John 10.10, he says, I want you to have a rich life. So he wants us to have a rich life, but we can't have a rich life and forget God and forget what God has put us on on this earth to do. Amen. We can't have a rich life and forget who we are. So in Malachi, the Bible begins to say in Malachi chapter three from verse seven. Let's read it from, from verse seven, please. The Bible says that ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my degrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return to you when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? And I'm reading from the um, New Living. It says, should people cheat God? Verse 8. Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me in the tithes and offerings due me. You are under a curse for, the, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Now, when you hear nation now, let's look. Let, don't get nervous. We'll get into some things. Praise the Lord. He was talking to the children of Israel. And we know that the whole world is not called to pay tithe. 
you know, or bring their tithe. It is the people of God, the people who know their God, right? All right. So he says, for your whole nation has been cheating me. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you wouldn't even have enough room to make it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations, listen to this, then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Hallelujah. What is God saying here? He's saying that there is a principle. There is a, a law. Now, when I began to read this Malachi, I saw some people are thinking, ah, that's the old covenant, that's the old covenant. Listen to me. We're in a dispensation of grace. Listen to me. Listen to me. Grace does not eliminate the tithing and the offering. As a matter of fact, in those days, they used to give about a percentage of their tithes when, when you put everything together, because they had about two a year, they had one on the third year, you know, at, according to their harvest. Right now, we do it according to when we receive, maybe a week, two weeks, and things like that. But it was about 23.3%, let me say about 24% of their giving. Now, we always shout in our based on better promises. Now, that means that those in the grace dispensation ought to give even more. Those of us who are under grace now, who understand the power of seed, who understand the power of God, ought to be even more thankful to give. Because, you know, the first time the law, the tithing was mentioned in Genesis, it was Abraham. Abraham just finished winning the battle with five kings. And then the Bible says that he brought tithes of all. This was before the law. Now, that means that it's a principle of God that Abraham just, you know, stepped into. How much more those of us who are in grace, how much more can we step into by the Spirit of God? And one of the things I want to say to you about, about the tithes and the offering is that I think that we have missed it in thinking that the tithes and the offerings about, is about turning on the lights in church. It's not just about turning on the lights in church. The tithes and the offerings and bringing of seed has always been a part of worshiping God. It's about worship, and that will never change. Amen? So God is calling us to come back to worshiping him, putting him first. And one of the things that we are so concerned about is money. And for you to keep your focus on God, you, we, have to bring, we are supposed to bring our tithes and our offerings. One of the things that the wise men did when they came to, to, to see Jesus for the first time was that they brought their tithes. They brought their, they brought their offerings. They brought gifts. Amen. They brought gifts unto him because giving is always a part of worship. And that's what the enemy has been trying to rob the church when there's been so much argument about this and about that. Now, when you love somebody, when you love something, is that not where you invest the most? Nobody has to tell you to give to somebody that you love. And, and our giving many times is a proof of our love. One, I'm just going to give it to you because my time is, is running fast. Praise the Lord. Honor. Faith, dependence, worship, all of these things are the reason, some of the reasons why we tithe. And we need to go back and do some more study. Because if we're going to see the kind of abundance, we need to be strong 
on these things. And pastors, God is saying you need to be strong on the understanding of tithes and offerings. Teach it to your people so that your people will be saved from poverty. It is not about you anymore. You who is always afraid to preach about, about giving, it's not about you. If you're afraid to preach about giving, it means you have not understood it. So go before the presence of God and get a revelation because people are dying because they don't understand the covenant that we have with God. Those of us who understand our covenant with God, we're not afraid of nothing. We are amply provided for today, yesterday, whatever is happening, God has taken care of us and we always take care of us. So a good preacher, a good pastor will teach this to his people so that they too will be saved. Hallelujah. And so it's about the heart. It's about the heart. And so number one, God is saying to us in the church, he says, repenting, repent from putting your mouth against God's worship. Repent from it. Stop talking negatively about God's worship. You say, how do I talk negatively about God's worship? Whenever you talk about the tithes, the increase, you talk about, oh, see what this person is doing with the tithe. Do not do it. Take yourself from it. It doesn't matter how juicy the situation is. If you come across things on the internet that are talking about such things, you better run away from it because now you are talking against the Lord's offering. Number two, you see, we already talked about it a little bit. Repent from serving mammon. If you have been serving mammon by walking, walking, and using all of everything for yourself and not giving to God, it's time to repent and get back to the tithes and the offerings. Amen. Number three, it says repent from judging. And this is very closely tied with putting your mouth on other people, talking about this pastor, that pastor. Why? Because in Romans 14, 4, you can put it up, I won't read it. The Bible says, who are you to judge another man's servant? God always leaves the judging for himself. So in other words, he said, I will take care of these people and by God's grace, they will be saved. Because whenever man goes into judging, they mess things up. Yes, there might be some bad eggs doing some certain things, but that's not your problem. That's not my problem. It's God's problem. And he tells us very clearly in, in Romans 14, for go look at it again, when he talks about, oh, this is doing this, this is doing that. He says, who are you to judge another man's servant? Let's look at it. He says, their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Amen. Number three, I want to remind you, Judas stole from the purse. Judas stole from Jesus' purse, but Jesus did not address it. Jesus did not say, okay, everybody stop giving tithes and offering because there is a thief in the house. But he was still taking. People were, were taking care of Jesus, bringing things to Jesus. He put it in the purse and Judas had the purse. He was the thief. Come on, y'all. Let us, let us be like Jesus in everything. And let us stop trying to catch, oh, this is doing that, that is doing that. Let us serve God the way that God served, said we should serve him in our tithes, in our offerings, in our giving, because there is so much at stake. For example, situations like this that we are going through now in the pandemic, right? Praise the Lord. And so he says, repent from despising giving to God. In other words, despising means taking it lightly. Do not take God's offerings lightly. Sometimes, even when people are, I've been to some churches sometimes, and I'm not trying to say anything, I'm just saying that what I've seen is that we just say, okay, just give, just give, almost like they just, just give, let's see how much we can. No, 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 no. Giving, the time of giving is a time of reverence. 
It is a time of honor. It doesn't matter whether you're putting one penny, one dollar, ten thousand in the offering. It should always be a time of reverence. A time even of sharing the word about it and, and, and looking at what God says and receiving what comes with the giving. Amen? Hallelujah. And then the, it says, God says, repent from lack, from the fear of lack. Why? Hebrews 3.12 tells us that an evil heart of unbelief. So that means that if you are afraid about lack, that God is not going to take care of you, you need to turn around and change your mind because God is faithful. Because when you're, you're keeping yourself in that place of being afraid, you're saying that God cannot take care of you. But God can take care of the church better than the government can take care of the other nations. He can take care of us, and that's what he's trying to say. But he said, the only way that I can do that is if you let me walk with you. With your tithes and your offerings, these are covenant connectors. These are things that make us keep our focus and our eyes on him that helps us to know, yes, God is good. Because I'm telling you sometimes when I come against certain things financially, it's like the Holy Ghost reminds me, you've got seed in the ground. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, devil, yeah, Bill, I got seed in the ground. I think about it, yeah, 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 I got my first food in the ground. And I begin to... To rejoice and before you know it I see either the way what I need to see or I receive what I need to receive and those are some of the things that the enemy tries to steal from people when he holds back from that that causes them to hold back their tithes and their offerings because now they have no hope now they have no hope right but finally as I close I'm going to say it in Genesis 8 22 the Bible says that as long as the earth remains that seed time and harvest will not cease. Doesn't matter what is going on. He said seed time and harvest will not cease. I know that some people, I've seen some men of God come up on and begin to encourage the people. I heard Ken Copeland the other day. He says, this is not the time to stop your giving. As long as you have seed in your hand, plant it, sow it in the ground. And you have people who come up and then they begin to like, you know, complain and, you know, say, why are you talking about seed? But the Bible says that if you sow your seed, that means there is a harvest waiting for you in the future. But if you don't sow your seed, there will be no harvest. So where you are today is a product of the seed that you sowed in the past. And where you'll be tomorrow is a product of the seed that you sow today. So don't let the enemy rob you of your harvest. Because God has a promise to us that as long as the earth remains, seed and harvest will not cease. Amen. And so in Malachi 3 verse 12, finally, the Bible says that nations will come to us. You see, they will call us blessed because we will be a delightsome land. And I'm telling you that the major thing that we are on here on earth here for is to give God glory. And the way we can give God glory is to walk in the word of God, to walk in the will of God, to walk in everything that God says concerning every circumstance and every situation. Amen? Amen. We trust that you are blessed by the message. To listen and hear more, catch us at 1130 on Sunday mornings on YouTube or Facebook at Love Foundation Christian Center. If you have any additional questions or just want to learn more about the church, feel free to contact us at lovefoundcc at gmail.com or visit our website at lovefoundationusa.org. Thanks for listening.